I can accept the fact that I'm not going to get pregnant, that this isn't going to be the reality of my story and my life. And what can life look like without children? And so I had to shift how I was thinking about my future. Welcome to the Hope Warrior Project podcast, where we bring you an extra dose of hope to help you get over the humps of life. I'm Stephanie Martino. And I'm Lydia Zuniga. And together we are bringing you real stories of hope from real people. We believe by hearing other people's stories of challenge and transformation, we can all gain some hope for ourselves. So if you've been looking to find and hold on to hope, you're in the right place. Join us on this journey as we all become warriors of hope. Hey, Hope Warriors, welcome to another episode. Last week, we shared a little bit about my story. And if you have been following Hope Warrior Project or listening to the podcast, you will definitely recognize today's guest's voice. Um, you may even know a little bit about her, um, but she is the other half of Hope Warrior Project, the amazing Stephanie Martino. Why, oh, thank you very much. Very honored to be a guest on our show. <laughs> Yes, it's very different on the other side, isn't it? It is. I'm used to being the one asking questions, not giving the answers. So definitely gives an appreciation for our guests. I felt the same way last week. I was like, I'm happy this is just the, just this time. Cause I like being on the other side better. I think I like listening to the stories. Um, yeah, but we felt it was important that you guys know us on a little bit of a deeper level and for us to you know, practice what we preach and share our own stories. So uh, Stephanie, you want to start out by letting us know a little bit about what you're going to be talking about today? I'm going to be sharing my story of unresolved infertility, which basically means was never able to get pregnant. Um, so just to, just to kind of set the scene, I was previously married and I got married when I was 19. Yes, I know that's very young. Um, and a couple years into our marriage, we started trying to get pregnant. And about six months of trying, with no luck, we decided, well, we'll go to the fertility doctor, and then we'll get pregnant, right? Um, I just assumed that it would work. I, at that point in time, really the only stories I had ever heard about people going to a fertility doctor were the success stories of people achieving a pregnancy. So that's what we did. We started going, but it did not work for me. How were you feeling in that process of of trying because I also even though I do have have the children um I also did experience a miscarriage and wanting to get pregnant like right away after um I miscarried so I do uh know a little bit about that of like the month to month you know um that disappointment every month and like how that felt for me for, for those, like for that half a year that I wasn't able to get pregnant again right away because I just wanted to like, as, as terrible as it sounds, like I like wanted to almost like replace mm -hmm. that first pregnancy because I wanted that baby so bad. So it was like, I need to, I just need to get pregnant right away. And I put like a lot of pressure on myself. So it was really difficult, but can you share with us a little bit about how it felt for you? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting too, you know, that you share that because I think it just speaks to the fact that everyone's journey around this is very different. Being young, um, 
I didn't anticipate having any, any problems. You know, I didn't think I would have any problems getting pregnant. And so when I did, that was a shock. Um, I thought, well, you know, what the heck, why can't I get pregnant? This is really weird. And then as we were going through fertility treatments and we weren't having any luck with that, um, even more discouraging, you know, it just, it just became more and more discouraging the, the more we went every month, I guess you could say. And the fertility meds, if anyone has been on those, you will know they make you even more emotional. So you're already going through this really painful time. And then the medications just enhance that, <laughs> exaggerate it, whatever you want to say. And I would cry at the drop of a hat. Um, I remember things at work something happened to my boss that had asked me to come into his office for something. And I just thought, oh, I'm in trouble. And I started crying. And of course he was like, oh my God, what did I do? And he brought me a box of Kleenex. I mean, the whole thing was just crazy, but I think it just speaks to the fact that you're going through, or at least I was going through this really hard time, but yet still trying to live normal life and trying to hold my composure. And, and it was really a hard balance. Um, so real, very painful, very discouraging, you know, a lot of crying, <laughs> you know, and I just couldn't, as we were going through it, I really couldn't understand why, you know, I was like, well, why God, aren't you letting me get pregnant? You know, like why, what's, why aren't you letting me get pregnant? Why, why does this happen? You know, and part of, there's a lot of things I think that made me think that, um, you know, I was always, I've always been good with children and from, you know, when in my teenage years, my adult years, I just have always been good with kids. And, you know, I taught Sunday school and vacation Bible school and children's choir. And, you know, anytime I meet a little kid, you know, even the ones that are generally like super shy and, and don't like strangers, I can usually get them to like me and laugh, you know? And so it's like, why would I have this gift or this ability? And then I can't even have kids of my own. You know, I didn't understand. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and then I look around and see all these other people, you know, popping out kids left and right. <laughs> and even people who didn't even want kids were just getting pregnant. And I'm like, this, you know, this doesn't seem fair. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand why this is happening. And so, the, of course, that was just kind of like a, a continual obsessive thought that I would have. Um, you know, my friends at that time, you know, I was in my early mid-20s. And at that time, a lot of my friends were getting pregnant and having babies. And so I remember, you know, every time I would hear about another one of my friends getting pregnant, you know, I was, it was like this weird two sides of the coin type thing. I was happy for them, but, but my happiness was very much overshadowed by my own pain and hurt because every time I heard of someone else getting pregnant, it was just like another knife stabbing me in the heart. And um, just bringing that hurt all up all over again. And it was so, my hurt was so consuming and I would end up feeling jealous. And then I would feel guilty for feeling jealous. So it just like stuck you and you're already feeling bad about not being able to get pregnant. And then you're feeling jealous and then you're feeling guilty. And it's just this horrible combination of negative emotions. At least that's what I was feeling. Um, in fact, there's there one time in particular, I remember we were at my in-laws house and I think we were over there, you know, with the other family members for snacks or something. And I found out there that both my sister-in-law and another one of our friends were both pregnant. And that was just too much 
for my, my heart to take. I could not, I just couldn't keep my composure. Um, I think that's one of the things that, you know, when you're going through infertility, you're constantly trying to maintain your composure. Um, and I lost it. I, I couldn't hold it in. I, I just couldn't deal with it. Um, I, and I got up and left. I went home. I think I even left my husband there. <laughs> like, you have to find your own way home. I got to get out of here. And when I got home, I, I mean, I bawled all the way home. I was just sobbing and I knew I needed to talk to somebody. And, you know, throughout this time, I never, I never really talked about what I was going through. Um, probably I didn't know how to, but talking about it also made me hurt. And I would cry if I would talk about it and I didn't want to cry. But at this point I knew I needed to talk to someone. And so I called one of my friends and the, the reason I felt comfortable calling her, I mean, even though she had children, she had experienced miscarriage. And so even like you said, you know, there's, there's something there that you can kind of, you know, understand um, about that loss. Even though I didn't have a child that I lost, I lost this expectation or this hope, you know, of having one. And so I called her and just, you know, sobbed and bawled and everything. And, and that was at least comforting for me for, you know, just a little bit to have someone to talk to that understood. And I didn't feel like I really had anybody like that um, to talk to throughout, throughout this time. You know, and adding on to all of this, you know, I, I'm an only child. So I am, was the only hope for my parents to have grandchildren. Now they never, ever put any pressure on me. They never made me feel bad about, about it. Um, they were always very understanding and supportive, but it was my own pressure, I guess I put on myself that I, I wanted to be able to give my parents grandchildren. I knew they would have loved to have had grandchildren. And so that was really hard too, because then I felt bad about that as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think at that age, it's just normal for people when you meet someone or you haven't seen someone for a while, you know, the, the small talk questions. And one of those questions that we would get asked is, oh, when are you having children? Or, you know, even worse, the one that hurt a bit more is, oh, why don't you have any children yet? Don't you guys want to have kids? And I know, absolutely. And I knew then that they did not mean to be hurtful. That was not their intention whatsoever. But nonetheless, it was painful to have that question because it was awkward. Because I wasn't, again, I wasn't talking about it. I wasn't really sharing with people what I was going through. Close family and friends probably knew, but generally people didn't know what we were going through and that we were struggling with that. So when people asked you, like, what was your response? Um, I would just some vague general response like, oh, well, not yet, or well, we'll see, you know, something like that, just to kind of brush it off and blow it off. And it seemed to satisfy them. And we moved on to another topic. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, that's like another thing that I think makes it hard is that it's, 
it's it's like you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable by saying like well you know actually that's something i'm really struggling with right now but then like you're just holding the discomfort in yourself instead of like just being open and like letting it breathe kind of if that makes sense like i just i wonder like what's what's better and i don't know if there's an answer to that but like um you know if it's better to just own it and be like you know actually we've been trying you know so that people can know where your heart's at and like even for people that don't want children i feel like that's weird for them like yeah. they get judged like right. we just every everybody has these expectations of you know you get married you have children you get married you like it's like that's what you're supposed to do and it's like if you're veering from that at all you get questioned and it's like why yeah. you know um and it's something that i think our culture needs to be more mindful about is that everybody's on their own unique journey and it doesn't they shouldn't all look the same right like that's what makes the world so beautiful and interesting is that we all you know have different things to offer and have and show up in different ways on that real quick i mean i think today infertility is is talked about i feel a bit more i think there's more awareness around it than there was back in the day when I was really going through it. It just wasn't as well known about, I don't know. So I think we've come a long way just, you know, in society and, and in the world for there to be more understanding and more open openness to, to know about this. And it is so common, so common, more common than I think anyone would probably ever realize. But, you know, you ask like, well, you know, what's better to say, yes, I'm going through it or blow it off. I really think it's a personal, decision it you have to be the person going through it you have to be comfortable with whatever and i say comfortable you know in quotes because it's not comfortable but like you have to choose whatever option is the best for you it is not about making other people comfortable and i think sometimes that can get on our heads and at least it did mine you know i i didn't want to make other people feel awkward i didn't want you know them to feel bad so i would take all that on myself and I would hold the awkwardness. I would hold the pain to prevent anyone else from feeling bad. So again, it's, I think it's a personality thing. It's a personal preference. You know, what are you comfortable with? That's what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've done that with other things. You know, you just kind of brush it off and swallow it and it's like, you know, you want to share who you are, but you, you're not sure. So it just, and then the, the moment just kind of passes you by. And I don't know, I think maybe the, the, the more we get uh, familiar with our stories and the more confident we get in like who we are, then maybe the better we are about just showing up and, and saying what's on our hearts and not feeling like we have to hold back and worry about how other people are perceiving it or how they're, you know, if they're comfortable with it or not. And I did want to say, that I can attest to the fact that you are very good with children. <laughs> I mean, you're incredible with mine. So I'm blessed to have you in my life. Um, but yeah, and that makes it so hard because it's like then the comparison game, right? Like you were saying, some people don't want kids or are giving away their kids or ending pregnancies. And then it's like, here you are. And that's like all you want. Um, and it just like, it doesn't make sense. Right. And it, it's so hard to wrap our minds around like why is this the way that it is but we can just drive ourselves insane like just thinking about all the this is how it should be you know my mom was um 
an, a full-time nanny for a long time. And she was like super nanny, mm-hmm. like super nanny. Like she would make meals and like make faces out of them. And she would sing, she wouldn't read, read books to you. She would sing books to you. Like she just was incredible. And I just, I grew up watching her take care of children and it breaks my heart. Like I could cry right now if I allowed myself to, because she wasn't able to be a grand, a grandmother. And that's something like, I can't understand. Right. But it's, it's like you, like you can just think yourself nuts when you just think of like, what if, what if, what if, right. So, um, yeah, that's hard. Obviously, like you said, you, it never ended up working. You never ended up having children. So what I guess was the point where you, I guess, stopped trying or what changed, um, what changed about how you looked at the whole situation? Yeah. So, you know, after a while of us trying with um, the infertility treatments, we we actually had to stop because there were some other things going on in our lives that we needed to give our priority and attention to. So we stopped going to the doctor and on all the medications and all that. But, you know, we just, I still held out hope that maybe I would just get pregnant, that it would just happen, you know, that one month it would be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm pregnant. You know, I would even imagine, God, I can't tell you how many times I would imagine what it would be like to take the at-home pregnancy test and to see those lines and they would be positive and how I would tell my parents and my husband and all this stuff. And so each month I was disappointed all over again, but the more this happened, the more I started realizing that this, I may not be able to have kids or get pregnant. And, and I, I guess I want to talk a little bit here about grief because there is grief associated with infertility. And that's pr- maybe an, a foreign concept to some people, because when you think about grief, you're thinking about you've lost a loved one. You know, there was a person, a physical person, and now that person is gone. So it's obvious, you know, when you th- think about that, you've lost someone, what, what, do, what happens? People send you sympathy cards, they send you flowers, they bring dinner, um, they're there to support you. You know, all of that happens, you get time off work. Well. None of that happens with infertility grief because it's pretty much invisible. People don't see it, but the person going through it definitely experiences it. I did. And it's, it's a recurring grief because you, you feel it like every month because you have this hope and then it doesn't happen. Um, and I guess just as an example, you know, you know, what does grief look like in infertility? You know, so you think about those five stages, well, denial, it could be like, well, you know, everything's fine. You know, you act like everything's fine. Or maybe initially you're like, my doctor doesn't know what they're talking about. I need to go get another, another doctor. This one, this guy's crazy. You know, he didn't do the right tests, <laughs> whatever. Um, you get to anger, you know, why me? Why is this happening? This is so unfair. You can even, and I did sometimes experience anger, or like I said, that jealousy towards other pregnant women. And then you get to the bargaining. So where you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do everything right. I'll read all the books. I will change my diet. I'll take all these vitamins and herbs. You know, I'll do this. I'll promise, you know, I'll be happy. I'll be good. You know, all these, you know, bargaining things in your mind, like that's going to make it happen. Um, Then you get to depression where you're like, you just feel like I'm never going to have a baby. You know, what's the point? Um, Maybe becoming isolated, you know, a lot of time, you know, crying, just wanting to be away from everyone. 
and then acceptance. And so acceptance is what I did finally get to overall, where I said, you know what, it's going to be okay. I can accept the fact that I'm not going to get pregnant, that this isn't going to be the reality of my story and my life. And what can life look like without children? And that was a huge shift for me to start thinking differently because all, you know, growing up as a kid and my early marriage and not throughout all this time, my future included a child. My future included, you know, maybe being a PTA mom or volunteering at school or having play dates, you know, all those things. And so I had to shift how I was thinking about my future. And it definitely wasn't an overnight thing. <laughs> it took a while, but I will say the, the biggest, absolute biggest thing that helped me was that I was able to just finally put it in God's hands. Um, you know, I talked before about how I would, I would, you know, get angry with God and I'd ask, you know, why God are you, like he was doing it to me. Like I was blaming him that he's not letting me get pregnant. Why, why God? And I finally got to the point where I said, you know what, it's in your hands. You know better than I do. You are much wiser than I am. Um, and maybe there's a reason why. I don't know. Maybe there's some reason why I shouldn't have kids. Maybe there's something else that's going to happen in my life and my future that, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to handle having children or, you know, whatever. Or I had to accept that maybe it was just life. I, I personally, I don't think that there is a necessarily a divine reason for everything that happens in life. But I do believe that God can use every challenge for a reason. And I think that's what he did with me when I was able to give it to him. So when I was able to do that, it took the pressure off of me and I was able to finally find peace and acceptance. Um, and yeah, I'm still, I still get emotional about it. I don't, it doesn't mean I haven't accepted it as part of my life, but that was a very emotional time for me. And I'll still feel that. I don't, I don't know that I'll have the emotion will ever go away, but I, it's okay now. Like I'm okay with it now. And I just knew whatever the outcome that I trusted that God knew best. Yeah. I think you brought up a really good point with the whole grieving process, which the other day I was listening to some sort of talk and they were talking about how we learn about it in the specific order that you said, but actually it's really, it, you just jump from one to another. It's not a process by any means. It's not like this steady healing curve or, you know, a trend it's, it's all over the place. You know, one day you're in denial, the other day you're angry, the other day you're depressed. And, um, and I'm not saying like every single day, it's like <laughs> dealing with one of the things, but it's just, it's, it's, it, and I think when you can acknowledge that, then you can give yourself some grace, right? Because then if you find yourself in one of the earlier, quote unquote, earlier stages of grief, you're not thinking, what the heck? Like I already, you know, I already been here. I should be past this. I should feel good by now. Mm -hmm. um, but instead saying, yeah, this is part of it. Um, and and I think grieving is just a part of life. And it's something that, um, yeah, you just never, like you said, you never like get quote unquote, get over it. Um, but you learn to live alongside of it. 
right? You carry it with you and, um, and it makes you who you are in, in a big way. It makes you more compassionate for sure, mm -hmm. um, empathetic and just more human, I guess, because it's just part of the, the human experience. And um, I think you, you, you bring up another really great point that grieving is not just for death. <laughs> it's that that's what we associate it with because that's the easiest for our mind to kind of grasp but it could literally be anything anything and a big thing that people I think grieve and they don't realize that they're grieving is expectations mm -hmm. because an expectation isn't physical it's not something that you had and even with my miscarriage it felt odd because even though it was a physical baby with within inside of me, like I never actually had the baby. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like this weird, uh, it was this weird place to be because like you said, when you actually physically like lose a living person, there's like a whole like process of a funeral and all the stuff that comes with it. But like, what do you, and everybody's different too, right? So you don't know if somebody's like really, really, really struggling or if somebody, you know, is, is just okay, not okay with it, but has accepted it like a lot sooner. Yeah. So it's just being human, right? Like we, we have to like feel it out and do the best that, that we can. I really like the way you put that though, about, you know, you don't necessarily get over it, but you learn to live alongside of it. I, mm -hmm. I, I think that is so true. And I hadn't necessarily thought about it in that way before, but you know, that's with anything. It is still part of my life. It's still part of my story. I'm not like deleting that chapter of my life and forgetting about it. You know, it has been instrumental in shaping me who I am today. And so, yeah, it's still there. I don't like just forget about it. It's not like, yep, done, delete, forget about that. I still think about it. I still know it, but I'm like, I, like I've accepted it. I'm okay with it. I'm not continuing to grieve it at this point. Well, so that I guess brings me to my next question is you said that it's, it's affecting you, you know, it's something that you, you have, you take from um, in your current experiences. So do you have some examples of that? Or how, how are like the lessons that you've learned with this process, um, you know, showing up in your life today? Yes, I am. I remarried someone, you know, six years ago, I got remarried. And during our, you know, dating, actually, I mean, it may have been seriously on the first or second date, or maybe even before, to be honest, like when we were talking on the phone, I told him, you know, just so you know, I don't think I can have children. So if that's important to you, I may not be your girl, right? I don't want that to be a surprise later on. Thought that was very important to get out of the way. And, you know, and he was okay. He's like, you know, yeah, I'd be, sure I can, you know, I'm fine either way. You know, he didn't have a huge desire one way or the other. Well, after we got married, um, I don't know, maybe within the first year or so, one of his friends had also gotten married and they, and they're around our same age and they were struggling to get pregnant. And so she had gone and, and had one of these tests done. So, you know, there's a test that they, you know, put this dye through your tubes and to see if there's any blockages, right? Because if there is, then they can take care of that and then hopefully you'll get pregnant. Well, after she had this test done, she got pregnant. Like it just, she just got pregnant. So my husband's like, well, maybe you should just try that. Maybe you should just go have that done. Cause you know, maybe they just need to clean out the cobwebs. 
Okay. At this point, I could laugh about it. You know, if this was back in my 20s, I would have not laughed. But um, my dear husband. So I'm like, okay, fine. Let's just give it a try. Might as well. You know, and I figured if we're going to even think about this, we should do it now because at that time I was 40 and I'm like, I'm not getting any younger. So, all right, let's give it a shot. Did that. There were no cobwebs. Um, but the doctor did suggest trying IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. And I, and I hadn't done that particular process before. And so we talked, my husband and I talked about it and we thought, well, you know, again, let's, let's give it a shot. Might as well just give it a, tr a try. I did go into it with a very open mind though, because to the, at this point I had already accepted that this is probably a reality of my life that I may not be able to get pregnant. So I went into it with a very different mindset than I did when I was 20. Um, so we went through a few rounds of IVF. We had no, no luck, you know, the, those didn't uh, result in a pregnancy for us. And so at that point, we decided to just go ahead and stop treatments. And, you know, we, at that time we said, okay, well, maybe we'll consider other options. You know, I was kind of, you know, open to the idea of adoption, but he wasn't really, you know, didn't really want to go that route. Um, he was open to the idea of getting a donor egg. So, you know, some other woman's egg, but I was like, uh, nope, I'm not comfortable with that. And I say that because you have to be comfortable with the decision that you make around this. This is a huge decision. And, you know, since we couldn't, we didn't necessarily find an option that we both were comfortable with and neither of us pressured the other, you know, he didn't try to pressure me to do what he wanted. I didn't try to pressure him to do what I wanted. And we agreed, okay, well then we're, we're making a decision that we will have a life without children. And we were fine with that. We love our life. You know, yeah, we have our ups and downs as everyone does, but we are fine. You know, we enjoy our life and it's not like we feel like we are just missing something major in our lives. Like we're just unfulfilled because of this. We don't feel that way. Um, there are other ways, you know, to enjoy your life, obviously. One of the things I would say I learned throughout this entire experience is that, well, first of all, like I said, so many people are struggling with infertility. I, I would guarantee that every person listening, listening and every friend that they have knows someone that is or has struggled with infertility. You may not know it. You may not know that they have or, or are, but it is that common that I uh, guarantee everybody is, knows someone that is struggling with it or has. And so I have become, I think, well, much more compassionate, you know, and empathetic for anyone that is struggling with that. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I want to, you know, share my story, you know, here and, and with others is because I want people to know that, first of all, I understand you know, you are not alone in how you feel, you know, and that's why I say I'm honest with, I felt jealousy. I felt anger. I felt all those things. I didn't want to talk to people. And so if, if anyone is feeling those things, don't, you know, don't feel guilty about it. Like I did, I would, I would put guilt on myself for feeling that way. That is part of going through this. And so knowing that I'm able to understand and empathize with people who are going through whether it's infertility or something else, you know, what we go through and how it affects us emotionally is hard. 
I'm at the point now, obviously, where I can talk about it without crying. I mean, a little, I got a little emotional today, but I can talk about it without crying. And it's easier to share about my experience. And I did find through my journey that when I did start opening up about it, that I, there, it was actually this relief, you know, um, I didn't open up to every single person I met, but there were some people that I really felt like I trusted and that got it that I could share with, and I could talk to about it. <clears throat> and I think that actually helped me heal because when I was keeping it all inside and to myself, it was just festering. It had no, like the pressure was just building up. There was no pressure relief valve. And so when I started talking to people about it, it did, I believe, help my healing. And, you know, back in my twenties, I didn't know about infertility support groups. I mean, there were probably some out there. I didn't know about them. I really wish I had known because I think that would have been a really good healing um, process for me as well. And to have people that were going through it and understood. So anyway, today, I think, you know, generally people, we still hear about you know, the, and I say the success, success stories in terms of people that ended up getting pregnant. So going to fertility specialist and they got pregnant. Those are the stories that we usually hear about because it has the happy ending so-called, right? And I do again in quotes, we don't usually hear about the stories of the people that went through all of that and then still were unable to get pregnant. So I, I just want to share that because it is a reality. It is something that happens. And I think the more people can understand that and know about it, just the more compassionate we can all be. And, um, and even if this process doesn't result in a pregnancy for someone, I am a living testimony that life can still be good. It can be fulfilling enjoyable, you can still love your life. And so I just want to, I want to be able to share that with people and, and be there, you know, if someone wants to, to talk and share their own journey. I'm more than willing, anybody call me, reach out to me. I would love to, to be there and support people. Yeah, uh, the, you're right, that the stories that we hear way more often is you know, struggling for how many years I stopped all the process, you know, all the, um, you know, help and then just miraculously got pregnant. And, you know, we love those stories. And I think it's because a lot of us think, at least I can speak for myself, is that when we think happily ever after, we think of circumstances, right? Because that's what maybe we saw when we were children or whatever. And we link that to success or happiness is this, it's this picture that was painted for me of the happily ever after. It's the prince and the princess, you know, you know, getting married or then having a family. And um, and now, like, now I'm realizing happily ever after. It's never about the circumstances because somebody can get married and have the children, but then we see it all the time, like families fall apart, right? So it's not the circumstances. It's not um, like we talked about in my story, checking the boxes. It's about um how you show up in your circumstances. So, you know, like in your case, yeah, you didn't get the, the quote unquote happily ever after that, like you pictured as a little girl or whatever, but the way you're showing up in the circumstances that were dealt to you, that 
that God gave you is, is incredible and it's inspirational. And, um, there's a lot people can take away from that. Um, because yeah, we, we're just like, I just feel like we're always running for certain things. And then when we get them and we're still not happy, it's like, <laughs> now what? So it's like, you didn't get the, th the thing that you wanted, but you still learned that um, you didn't need it to, to find happiness and success in your life. So <sighs> that's awesome. And um, I actually want to ask you one more question because I think this, this is helpful. Uh, do you have any advice for people when to like what not to say or what to say when somebody tells you that they're struggling to get pregnant? Yeah. You know, that's always a hard one, right? I think that's, it's a, it's a hard thing to know what to say when anybody's going through anything difficult, because I think we go with the, oh, it'll be okay. Everything will work out, you know, because we want to make the person feel better. I think if we can back up and understand that that person is in pain and sometimes their pain, they, they need that validated. They don't need the, oh, just cheer up. It'll be okay. You know, just relax. It'll all be all right. You know, they don't need that. What they need is someone to just be like, I'm here for you. I think that's, that's a, if you don't know what else to say, I'm here for you because they're not looking, at least I wasn't, I was not looking for anyone to fix my problem. I knew no one could fix it. I didn't need anyone to try to take it away. This was, that was my reality. And I think the things that the people that helped me the most were those that validated my pain and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you're going through this. I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I think that was the, the best responses that I could have received because at least let me knew they cared and they acknowledged they couldn't fix my problem. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. And, and I think that even goes into, like you said, anything that if somebody's going through something difficult, um, some, I, I talked to somebody recently that is, was in a situation where she was going through like a tough time, but it was something that she felt like she couldn't openly talk about with people because like she feared judgment or whatever. And I remember just saying like, well, and I didn't know how to comfort her, right? I didn't know, I didn't want to say like, it's all going to be great because I don't know that. And like you said, that's not really what people want to hear. So like something that I said that I felt good about was like, if you ever just need somebody to listen and like, I promise you like not to judge and, and I will try my best to not give you advice mm -hmm. because that's actually something I learned in yoga teacher training is that like, we think that's helpful, but it actually isn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, like we want to add value and stuff like that. And it's like, people just actually genuinely want to figure it out on their own because then they feel like that's their truth. Right. Because something that is working for me may not be working for, for whoever else. So, um, and I don't know, it seemed like she was grateful for that. And she said, like, that's why I called you in the first place was because I, I didn't feel like you would, you know, judge me. And it's, and then I, and then just putting myself in her shoes. I think that there is like, Stephanie, you're, you're some, you're one of those people for me. And, and everybody has, I mean, hopefully everybody has these people, but it's usually just a few right? It's like three people, maybe, <laughs> that you can just like air out your thoughts 
and just be like, I'm just talking. Like some of this might not even make sense, but just having somebody to like hold space for you to do that is an incredible, incredible gift that you can give someone. So yeah. All right. Well, a lot of good stuff in here that can certainly be applied to any sort of, um, you know, disappointment, um, an expectation that wasn't met. Um, but obviously if you are someone or know someone that's struggling with infertility, like Stephanie said, she's open to connecting, um, and being that, you know, that hope warrior for you (laughs) that can empathize and, and, um, and feel for you. So, um, of course, get connected with us if that's, if that's something that is on your heart. Um, and then next week we will dive back into our Hope Warrior community and start um, introducing you to some, some more stories, some more challenges, more lessons, more tools uh, so that we can continue to grow together. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Go take a listen to our other episodes. We think you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. Are you interested in sharing your story of hope on this podcast? Contact us at hopewarriorproject@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love the opportunity to help you share your story.